0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of Lewim Lex Show. This show is brought to you by Alexander, the founder of Spreiker, Lena, CEO of Bright, and myself, Willem from Depth. And if you combine our three names, you get to Lewim Lex. We're delighted that we have Michiel de Goyer with us today. Michiel is the founder of Bright Vibes. Before founding Bright Vibes, he worked for media companies like Talpa and Animal. Where he was part of the team that created the Voice of Holland. The mission of Bright Vibes is to amplify the good in the world. They are one of the largest video publishers of the world. Their videos have generated 200 million views over the past 12 months, resulting in 34 million comments. They also have more than one and a half million Facebook likes. Hi, Michiel. Welcome to the show. Could you please introduce yourself
1: and the reason why you started Bright Vibes? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure being here. Um, yeah, a little bit about my background. I've had a corporate career for about 20 years. Um, I studied international business, graduated on um, what you would call today um, e-commerce, the influence of uh, direct sales on the retail channel. I've always been, this was in 1995 when the internet hardly existed. So I've always been fascinated how new technology influences behavior and uh, which opportunities arise from that. And I've, yeah, I don't know how it happened. You connect the dots, you know, looking back, but I've been able to make that my, uh, basically make that my work, uh, make a living uh, by doing that by, um, and I love how, I love technology, I love content, and I really like marketing, Um, used it for business only. And um, yeah, about Bright Vibes, which I started five years ago, uh, when I made the switch from my corporate career to, uh, to becoming an, an entrepreneur. And um, yeah, I made that switch because I really wanted to full-time add positive value to society. Not just when I'm off work, um, doing some volunteering and stuff like that, but uh, I wanted to do that full-time and um, I was looking for ways to do that professionally. Just having this impact was the most important thing for me, the most important motivation. I didn't care if I would start working for an NGO or work for another pub, work for a publishing house that only does constructive journalism. But I was looking for jobs and I didn't find them. And um, well, then I just created. I created one. You created your own job. I created my own job, exactly,
0: yeah. And tell us a little bit more about your corporate career because, well, I yeah. said you're interested in innovation and new business models and, yeah. and, and media and content production. Yeah. I read somewhere that uh, during your time at Endemol, you were part of the creative team that created the Voice of Holland and then the voices well, spread out all over the world. Is that, like um, did you did you realize there when, when, when uh, you were working on the voice,
1: how you could make impact and reach like millions of people? That's interesting. Um, when I, I worked at Endemol, uh, when John Demol was still leading the company, and um, he sold the company to Telefonica, and when when you know, when they had the earn out and everything, they, he left, and he started Talpa, and I also joined from, from Endemol, where I worked uh, yep. as head of digital video, um, I, I went to Talpa. And at Talpa, I worked as the director of digital. And when we were at Talpa, Uh, That's where John DeMole created The Voice and uh, yeah, I was there, I can say that I was there from the start um, and I, you know, um, uh, but I didn't create the format. I was responsible for how we could translate The Voice and how we could use digital. And um, that's what I did. That was my um, my contribution to The Voice. What kind of elements did you add to the concept, uh, yeah.
0: where, where digital uh, yeah. played a pivotal part in?
1: Yeah, I think what was interesting is that, of course, now everybody knows about the huge success that The Voice has globally. I think it's one of the most successful and most profitable uh, formats around the world. Um, but when it's it was uh, the first series. I think we're now at series ten or something here in the Netherlands or eleven, 11 already. I'd, I lost count. Um, but when we did series one, when it, actually when I started working on the voice, it was just a paper format, and nobody knew if it would be really successful. Um, neither did I. What I did know is that I really liked the positive side of that concept because. Prior to that, it was more when it came to talent shows, it was very much about slacking people off and making fun of bad contestants. And in this case, it was really, The Voice is really, really a positive show. It's where the, it's all about positive reinforcement rather than than, than than, yeah, making fun of people. So I, I really I really enjoyed that, um, but I had of course no idea that it would be this, this <laughs> huge. What we did, um, nobody had heard of The Voice yet. And what we created uh, were online editions before the voice actually aired. Okay. Um, and Snippets of the show or the
0: f- uh, full, y- full songs as well?
1: No, what we did is so we asked people to uh, send in their online editions. Okay. And we licensed software from a Spanish company that analyzes the voice, the quality of the voice. Wow. So we already used technology, which was in line with the format because it's yeah. all about quality. Um, so people that, had, that scored a seven or higher, they were the ones that were actually reviewed by the, um, uh, by the, by the uh, team of the show and by the talent uh, scouts. And only the ones that scored high had an opportunity to actually become part of the auditions. And uh, we did that at the time for the international listeners. Probably in each country you all, you all had your own local Facebook in the Netherlands that was called Hives at the time and um, as the voice didn't have any recognition yet it had no pool in the market none whatsoever so we worked with hives who had uh, who were huge at that time a uh, big dutch no social network and uh, thanks to that collaboration and using that technology we were able to already get 500 video view five hundred thousand video views on these auditions, before wow. the show had actually started, and we already introduced hmm. the concept that it was all but about quality, and that uh, that meant that the contestants in these videos were people who
0: actually came to the auditions and were aired on television, as well as people who didn't some, make it. yeah, uh,
1: some. Okay, you know television. You know how television works. Some of them were uh, able to actually apply for the real auditions. And I think that only one candidate actually made it. But what we really did is that we already created a big buzz around the show before it actually aired. Um, So I think, yeah, I think that was. uh, Was that replicated in other countries as well? Yes. That that
0: wave work? Yeah, exactly, yeah, it was, yeah. So then moving on in your career, you were at Talpa, um, you were working on The Voice and probably many other concepts as well. Yeah. Um, What was the defining moment for you to say, I need to do
1: Something else and I need yeah. to change the world and, and try yeah. to,
0: to build a better world.
1: Well actually there was still so so I worked at working at Talpa. Um I I worked there only for a, for only one year and a half. Um, um, I I when I worked at Endemol, um I also which is the company also owned by John Demol, um there were like five layers between him and me. And when I went to Talpa there was only one layer between him and me. I reported to the CEO, but I had a lot of meetings with John as well, so I learned cool. loads from him in, in that one year and a half. Could you give an example of a lesson learned by John de Mol? Well, um, I think to never let go of what you actually believe in. Um, if you look at, in, in talking about The Voice, um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that there were people both internally as um, uh, at, in, in the broadcaster business, that we're like okay so here we go again another talent show who's waiting for another talent show but john had a couple of you know format elements that he so strongly believed in that he again he co he, he financed basically half of the show himself and the other half was paid for by the broadcaster so he took on a huge risk um he took on criticism as well uh, but he strongly believed in that it was going to be a huge success, and, and then he puts his money where his mouth is, and he doesn't take no for an answer, and uh, I think that's one of the one of the biggest lessons that I've uh, that I've learned from from John de Mol. and then a new opportunity arose, um, and um, yeah, I don't mind saying that I found it, it was extremely. Um, I learned so much by working closely with John de Mol. Um, but um, our characters or our way of working um, is very, very different. Um, So I moved on and um, I moved on to uh, Digitas, um, a big digital agency um, in the Netherlands. Uh, It was called Lost Boys um, in the early days, Then was acquired later on, uh, Digitas. And that's where I set up in 2010, I, I ran a virtual joint venture between the between Lost Boys and Triple. Triple is a technology company in uh, also based in the Netherlands and they are uh, specialized in mobile and Lost Boys at the time hardly did anything in mobile development. So I set up Lost Boys Mobile. Okay. And I uh, set that up and I ran that uh, department for 4 years. And what kind of services or products did you build? yeah we built uh, well, we started building apps for Talpa, for example, okay. because I, I, I left on a, in a very good relationship. Um, so we started working for RTL created uh, apps for the voice, I created other apps for uh, for RTL. Um, and uh, maybe this is a nice you know a, 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 a nice lead to why I actually left is that I also we also worked for Shell. Uh, so I acquired Shell as a customer. Uh, to develop apps for them. Different, uh, different types of apps, B2C apps, B2B apps. And um, yeah, I remember very vividly um, that I had, um, I would say it didn't feel congruent with my personal values um, working with Shell um, in my, you know, I try to live as, I'm not a saint, far from it, uh, but I try to live as sustainable as I, as I possibly can. And uh, at the time that I acquired Shale as a customer, which was I think in 2013, um, I searched the annual annual report and I searched for the word solar and there were zero results. Um, Incredible. Pretty incredible. If you think of the amount of money that, for example, pharmaceutical companies, there's a lot to say about pharmaceutical companies as well, but if you look at the R&D that they spend on, that the money that they spend on R&D it's like I think it's like 15 or 20 percent. If you look at technology companies, it is almost it's a, a similar a similar number. And then if you look at the R&D that traditional fossil fuel companies used to spend, at least I don't know what it is at at the moment, but I think it is around 1.5 or or 2 percent, whilst they are seriously polluting the planet with with you know with the um, both upstream and downstream. Um, uh, they have a huge responsibility. I think they should invest a lot more and they did very little. So that's why it felt in, you know, inconsistent with my personal values. So and in, I, in a way,
0: we need to thank
1: Shell for uh, yeah. <laughs> laying the foundation
0: and being the tipping point for your journey to, to become a social entrepreneur. Yes, I
1: definitely, that's true. That's true, yeah. I remember vividly, I was sitting in a room with five people from my team and five people from Shell's team and they were wonderful people. Lovely people, very smart, highly educated, um, nice people. And uh, so we were 10 people sitting in this one room and we were discussing uh, the design of one of those apps. And we were discussing whether the edges of the uh, of the app should be rounded or if, if they should be straight. And we were talking about that for about 15 minutes. Then I went to the loo and uh, I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, what the Hell are we doing? Or at least I, you know, I can't take responsibility for these other nine people, but I can take responsibility for myself. What the hell am I doing? Um, that was one of those moments where I was like, okay, th- I had sort of like a realization, and, and it might be uncomfortable for some people. It was uncomfortable for me at the time, but actually, I, was, you know, I had this realization: it's like, man, I've got myself, and this is uh, apparently this is an official term. I've got myself a bullshit job. <laughs> This is, ridicu- this is ridiculous. I don't really want to be here. Um, so that's one. Mo- that's 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 one pivotal moment. And another pivotal moment was that at the same time in that same period, I've got three boys, and one of my sons got really ill, um, and everything's absolutely fine. Uh, but at that time, he had to go to intensive care, and um, um, you know the conversations that I had with my wife, with his brothers. Um, especially with his youngest brother who at that time was eight years old he asked me a couple of questions uh, about what daddy you know if you look at the people that work in the hospital and how incredibly kind they are um, actually these people these nurses they work there they're so kind but they work in an in an environment this is what my eight-year-old son Pablo said they work in an environment where the people who they have to work with do not want to be there because who wants to be in a hospital right and then he, he i he, i uh, he said and dad what is it what is it that you do and i'm like okay well i'm sitting here with 10 people and we're talking designing about, apps for shell yeah for <laughs> shell like, oh my god so i couldn't really explain it to him anymore huh. and um, yeah to cut a long story short um i did go on my summer holiday and i completely was able to not think about, you know, how I felt about my my role in my professional life and how much value I I was or wasn't adding to society. But when I came back from holiday, it was exactly the same and I knew that that would happen. Um, I had to, um, I was going out for dinner with uh, both the managing director of uh, Lost Boys, or DIGITAS, and of uh, TRIPLE, and we had to discuss what the next, what were my plans for next year and um to be honest i didn't have any plans yet and i didn't want to make any plans i called up my wife before i got out of the car and i told her she knew of course that i wasn't happy anymore at work and i called her up and i said you know i'm going to hand in my resignation um i'm going to tell them that within 4 months on the 1st of january 2015 i'm going to quit and i will look for somebody else to take over my job um i want to i, I want to leave uh, on good standing um or also buying a little bit of time. Um, and then uh, I don't know what it is that I wanted to do, but I knew that I needed to create headspace. So for me, it was, I couldn't think of something new, still being sort of like caught in this day to day operation. And I needed to break free. And, um, you know, some people say that it's co- courageous. Um, I think it is a little bit courageous, but not. Too much because you know it's, it's not like I was risking my life or anything like that. It, I think that a lot of people actually, um, you know, I think um, we are we lock ourselves up, um, and um, by just handing in the resignation, just by stating that it created headspace, and after two weeks, I knew exactly what it is that I wanted to do, which was make impact which is making impact um with stories with through storytelling as a starting point um i worked in media for a long time um i'm an avid user of uh, i was an avid consumer of both news as social media and um i googled and if you do it it's still the same so if you nothing has changed in that sense it's um if you google the news makes me or social yeah. media makes me, and you look at the auto-suggestions by Google, it's, it's, it's scary. It says lonely, depressed, cry, jealous, yeah. sad, and um, I, I don't necessarily think that the medium in that, or these platforms are the problem, it is how you use them. Yeah. And um, My assumption was that by creating what we call contagiously inspiring stories, we can use media as a force for good. Um, And uh, it was an assumption when I started, and uh, yeah, now having been in operation for four and a half years, we know that it's true. And um, I I completely align with you. I mean, it's
0: it's a wonderful journey that you describe, and it's also uh, fantastic that you're uh, countering uh, all the fake news and negativity that is out there. Um, when you talk about positivity and impact, could you give a definition of how you look at it? Yeah. And for you, when to decide to put a video on your network yeah. or not?
1: Yeah, so I think we have, um, for each story, we have, th- when, whenever we create a story, there are three potential ideal outcomes. Okay. And I think, um, The first one, and it's the softest, uh, is to change people's mindset. Um, Restore or strengthen their faith in humanity. Um, Providing people hope, creating a positive mindset. The second thing is, second uh, outcome could be that people watch a video of ours and that they actually copy the behavior of whatever the contents of that video was, and they copy it. So to give you an example, when we, we made a video about um, Afros Shah, who is one of my heroes, he, is, uh, he was uh, nominated for the CNN Hero of the Year in 2019, and he was awarded the United Nations Earth Champion of the Earth Award in 2018. He's responsible for the biggest beach cleanup in the world okay. uh, on Mumbai Beach. And um, when we created that video, um, what people could do, they could copy his behavior they could copy the Avros' behavior. So whenever they, whenever you go to work, you could just pick up some litter. So you might not do it as big, but actually that's how Avros started as well, just by picking up some, you know, started to clean up the beach. So people can copy the behavior of what it is that they just saw, um, or if they cannot copy the behavior, they can support the initiative that they've just been learning about. So another example, Just Dig It, who we, or or the ocean cleanup, or just dig it, uh, You know that you do fantastic work. Thank you. They were on
0: the show, uh, Vessel, the Ah, global marketing director was on the show a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. We love them.
1: We're very, very proud to be working with them Mm -hmm. as well and helping them get the word out about how they are turning degraded land into fertile land again. So they're making Africa green again just by digging bunts, basically. That's how it starts, at least. Um, and we created a big video for them uh, that got over a million views and a shitload of interactions. And um, yeah, then that's so sorry. That was the third outcome: is that people cannot go and dig holes themselves. It would be very inefficient uh, to to do that in Africa. But they can support, uh, just dig it. So they can become do- they can donate. For example, they can buy their own bund. And um, so that's the, the the three outcomes to summarize: is positive mind, positive mindset. Copy the behavior or support the initiative.
0: Fantastic. You, you talked about the example of the video of the wonderful gentleman cleaning up beaches in Mumbai. Um, let's zoom in on how you create content for your videos. Uh, do you send over a team to Mumbai to to film what is happening, or are there other ingredients that you use to, to uh, create your videos?
1: Yeah, I like the word ingredient because we're sort of we feel ourselves like content cooks. It's like cooking. And uh, you use different ingredients, and uh, it depends on the video. Um, it can be a mix of all sorts of different inputs. It can be just one input. The case of Afros, it was that we um, we interviewed Afros. So we we do a, we reach out. We do a Skype interview. Um, so I interviewed him. He lives he lives on Mumbai Beach in one of an the, the apartment block. So we we, we caught him doing the interview while he, whilst he was eating uh, rice. It was very funny. Um, so so. We we filmed him, basically he filmed himself in his home and it was just a Skype conversation and then he sent over uh, a lot of footage that he already had. So it's a mix of original content but I would say low quality in terms of bit rate and sound of quality but very high quality in terms of the richness in the conversation and the insights that he he was able to get across. Um, And then we mix it with... Existing material that he provided. Um, with Just Dig It, it was a video where we, um, they, they're very very good at their um, uh, their PR and free publicity uh, strategy I think is really good. So they have a really really nice library of content available. So they see the value of content, they have a lot of content creators, and they have a good uh, backlog of everything that they recorded. And then what we do is that we create our own story. So we, we write our own script. But we use existing material, um, so that, that's 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 the way it can work. We also film. Uh, we also film ourselves, uh, so we go out with a with a small camera crew. Um, of course, we got you know we got a good camera, we got good lenses, and you know we take care of the sound and everything. But for us, um, I we do not produce uh, at TV production value or at TV commercial production value um so we produce a lot lean more lean and mean but i think what's really makes our content really really good is that we take the time for the people that we feature and uh oftentimes uh production tv production can be very rushed um and can be staged and we try to be as to, to pay as lot of uh, a lot of attention to people um, and to make it as authentic as we possibly can. Um, so we have less focus on production value and more on, I would say, the emotional value that we're able to extract.
0: Uh, and what's the average length of the videos uh, that you produce?
1: Yeah, they, they range from, from a minute, from a minute, minute and a half, yeah uh to 8 minutes.
0: Okay, so they're all short
1: videos. They're all yeah, we produce we produce only short video but okay. then I would say for us 8 8 minutes is quite it's long. It's quite long. Yeah. It's quite long. Why? Um because what when we started uh we had a lot of guidelines like okay, so a story has to be between 90 and 120 seconds. And um and we started producing that way but we felt rushed ourselves. Um, and then you know we have our guideline now is very simple: is we make it as short as possible, but not shorter. And then we don't care how long it actually is. Um, so yeah, but I think on average now our stories are between three and five minutes okay. on average. Yeah. Let,
0: let's talk about distribution because um, mm-hmm. I understand that that. Well, what I uh, read and heard from you, you're very big on, on Facebook. Is, mm-hmm. is Facebook still your main distribution yes. channel?
1: Yes, I have a love-hate relationship with, uh, with Facebook, I think, like many have. Um, what I love is to see the, the, the response. Uh, it's still huge. So um, I know, especially in the industry, there's a lot of talk about Facebook, and you know, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, they're gonna die, and la la la. Uh, maybe, but it's gonna take a very long time. Uh, there's still 2.5 billion active users every month. Um, and what we see on our stories, the the interaction, uh, the feedback that we get in our inbox, it is still tremendous. Um, but yes, there is, we're working on um, a strategy where we are less dependent on Facebook. Okay. Um, so, um, But I don't, you know, to a certain extent, you can push consumers. In a certain direction. So, I don't know. Now, whenever we have a, 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 a successful post on social media, we always add: if you want to get your weekly dose of bright vibes, subscribe subscribe to our free newsletter at brightvibes.com/register. This is also a cue for the listeners. <laughs> um, I hear a call to action. <laughs> you heard a call to action. You got it. Um, so. Um, and and then let's that, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but let's let's then
0: look at your full distribution yeah. uh, landscape. Yeah. Facebook is number one. Could Facebook you could you a, yeah. mention who yeah. else are uh, Facebook are is number partners?
1: one? Um, uh, for us, Instagram is growing, and uh, we're only if you look at the number of followers that we have on Instagram, we're now uh, approaching fifty thousand. But if you look at the interaction rate, it's it's a lot higher. So the impact, which for us is key, um, is already really starting to become significant on, on Instagram. Okay. Our newsletter is growing, which means which brings more organic traffic to our to our website. And of course, we still use social as well as a way to to, to lure people to our website. And YouTube? Yeah, we yeah we are on YouTube, and um, we do adapt the content slightly. Um, but we do not have enough resources to do that really well. And I would love to kill it on, on, on YouTube as well. And I think I know what we need to do, but I currently do not have enough sufficient uh, money to uh, funds to do it well. So what we do is on social, on, uh, especially on Facebook and on Insta, the orientation of the videos is it's either square or, or it's more vertical than it is horizontal. Um, and it is short form, and titles are really important. And the way people consume on YouTube is very different. They take more time, Uh, it's much more in 16 by nine, titles are less important, and personality plays a much bigger role. And the way we produce at the moment, um, we always, we put our story and the people that form part of the story at the heart of the story, and not, you never hear me or any of my colleagues, you never see any or or me of my colleagues, uh, because we we uh, we have little time. People have a short attention span on, on social, and we want to focus on the good stuff that they are doing. It does. It's not about us. But in order to grow an audience on YouTube, I think personality does play a big role. Um, so that's something which we're we're gonna You're working on. We're, working on, yeah. we're working on. We're working we're working on. And I I fully realize that with our three thousand subscribers, we sh- we can be happy with the three thousand subscribers because. Um, we, do, we, we, we do not put enough effort in really growing it. Okay. Yeah.
0: And, and, and when you talk about business models, mm-hmm. um, I understand, of course, reach is very important. Um, how, how do you earn money? Uh, yeah. is, is there a business model or is it like a non-profit uh, uh, okay. initiative?
1: Yeah, no. Okay, when I started Bright Vibes, so that's now four and a half years ago, um, I knew that at the first year, year and a half, we would not be able to make any money. So together with my co-founders, we put some money in um, and uh, we learned, we proved that, you know, that people are are actually craving for uh, inspiring stories and that these inspiring stories actually do have an impact. And uh, that took us about one year and a half. We grew an audience at that time of about 300,000 fans. And that's when we started to approach uh, brands, organizations, that are serious about having a positive impact and who want to get the word out of the good work that they do. And um, I, um, yeah, I ran into somebody I knew at DSM, uh, Bright Science, Brighter Living is their tagline. And um, we we were commissioned to do the first branded content for DSM, which is a big stock listed company. And um, they were, at the time, they were collaborating with um, uh, Bojan Slot. From the ocean cleanup, this uh, twin he's now 23-year-old genius who wants to uh, rid our oceans of plastic, and um, um, it was DSM working with the ocean cleanup, but only on product management level. And they asked us to create a video about their collaboration. And We created this video. We interviewed Boyan. Uh, we explained how it how it exactly works. So we made an animation, all that, and that video completely unexpectedly, uh, but very happily. Uh, we're um, reached uh, 10 million views and 780,000 engagements wow. completely organic
0: through your channels through, through our the yeah, channels through our, of our social
1: through our social okay. channels yeah through our social channels yeah. so it's interesting because they also put it on their channels yeah and uh, the reach and impact that we had was i don't recall exactly the number but i think it was like 25 yeah, i think 25 uh, times okay. 20 25 times bigger oh. than uh, on dsm's own channels
0: and it was and branded with the dsm branded. logo it was and branded uh, yeah okay.
1: it was branded i know if you go to the video and it's at 1 minute 23 uh, seconds okay. that's where we explain the concept and uh, they use materials they use a. Di- it's called dynema. it's uh, 15 times stronger than steel and four times lighter it's very durable and sustainable material the most innovative materials and he needs those type of materials in order to be able to pull off what he's trying to achieve by, by ridding the and, and ridding the oceans of plastic so um, it is not like you sometimes see a television shows where you go like, "Oh my God, what is the sponsor doing?" Here? This is like a sponsor moment. This completely fit in. It was absolutely logical. Um, it was natural. It was it, na- it naturally blended in. And then at the end of the video, we had a billboard. So people knew that DSM was also supporting this video, and we tagged them on our social media and everything. And, and nobody cares. No, th- nobody cares. I would say nobody minds. That's the better way to to put it. We didn't have anyone go like, "Oh, but the, what is does DSM do?" No, what they're doing is they're helping. Exactly. The interesting thing. And I know it's a little bit, um, uh, you know, I don't know, if they're listening, they might, uh, I don't know, they might get back to me. But uh, when, uh, at the time when we made this story, uh, the relationship between DSM and the Ocean Cleaner was just on a product management level. We made this video and it became huge, it exploded. It was the biggest social campaign they had ever done. Um, They told us to make the videos adaptable for the the coffee machines around the world. So at DSM, all employees could see it. and um, what I've heard back from my contact is that this was, this started uh, a question by the CEO of DSM, like, okay, I wanna meet this guy. Who is this Bojan, actually? And now they are huge partners. Oh. Uh, so I think in that sense also we had some criticism uh, as uh, not from our viewers, but more in the market, like, okay, but DSM, are they uh, the perfect company? Uh, don't they do other stuff which, you know, which might not be uh, as sustainable as, as, as you would like to be? Um, and I was like, you know, what the, I, their, 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 their CEO, on a strategic level, he is the face of the circular economy. He turned that company around. Is it perfect? No, it isn't. Nobody's perfect. Uh, but it's so very obvious that they are a leader when it comes to stakeholder, uh, putting the stakeholders um, uh, central rather than the shareholders. So very proud to be working with those type of with those type of companies. So, and, so uh, this is one example yeah, of, of say monetizing uh,
0: your network. Um, yeah, of course, uh, due to the rise of digital, you see that there are a lot of traditional media publishers having a hard time on monetizing content. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see different uh, models arising, so subscription-based models, uh, yeah. well, uh, producing third-party content, advertising. Yeah. Um, I- I- if you look at the the, the the larger picture of your monetization yeah. model, is uh, it's, it's uh, producing third-party content for the likes of DSM, your main revenue stream or is there is it a mixer between say advertising and, it is and your mix. shop and and yeah. other activities
1: it, it, it is a mix but the, the majority of our revenue Comes from content commissioned by brands okay. that we are happy with because yep. that's the great thing. Uh, yep. I no longer depend on whoever owns Digitas or Lost Boys. If <laughs> I can work with Shell or not, so we're not working with Shell, but we're working with loads of other companies. I suppose um, Shell would come
0: with Shell Recharge. I, I, yeah. I have an electric car yeah. and I have a new motion. Fantastic. Pass.
1: Um, yeah. Suppose for Shell Recharge, you're yeah. asked to make a video. No, I wouldn't do it. Okay, but I'm very happy that they, you know, that they're now finally stepping up. Um, uh, whatever their motivations are, uh, but I think that um, Shell has so much to make up for. Um, their, le- their very low level of investment in R and D, which we discussed earlier, and all that. Um, uh, no, uh, I don't. I think that for me, at least, I'm very cautious of protecting our brand and our community. And I'm happy that Shell does this, um, but I, you know, th- if they wanna get that word out to the world, they need to look for another outlet. So The Guardian
0: looked at you when they decided to block
1: <laughs> <laughs> ads from uh, oil and gas companies. Uh, I'd love to say that that is the case. I've got <laughs> no idea, but we did put it on Bright Vibes as a good news story. Um, yeah, The Guardian not taking money from fossil or gas um, uh, companies. Uh, I think it, is, it might be just a symbolic step, but I think it's a really important step. Um, one of the good news stories that we had in our January video compilation, BlackRock, um, yeah. the biggest uh, asset management company with 7 trillion, that's 7,000 billion, I don't know how many, that's like 12 zeros I think, or 15, I don't know. Um, BlackRock also uh, stated that they will now put sustainability at the heart of every decision that they take. We need to see that they actually do it. But making that statement in itself, I think, um, is huge. Today, um, I read at a Dutch newspaper about the um, uh, floating of Saudi uh, Com or whatever Saudi Aramco. Yeah, Aramco. The, uh, that there are still some Dutch pension funds or d- Dutch, yeah, Dutch funds in investing, um, but the big ones for example, APG or ABB, uh, w- who are huge, they don't want to invest in it anymore. So I think in that sense, it is changing really for the good. And then a letter from Larry Fink, the founder and uh, CEO of BlackRock helps. That definitely helps. Yes. Yeah. No, he, he
0: has a large say in, in the direction because he's a major shareholder in many of these
1: corporations. Of course, yeah. Yes. No, so very- it's good
0: to see. And, and we talked about it prior to this interview that, of course, there are a lot of millennials. We're here at the debt office. And if I talk to, to many of our new employees, they yeah. have like sustainability uh, is, is 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 part of their mindset because yeah. they are going to live on this earth for many more decades. But it's good to see that big corporates are also shifting direction
1: definitely maybe also interesting just because we are bright vibes sustainability is a very important pillar of our content but we have basically we have four pillars Uh, one pillar is about inspiring people the second one is about personal growth the third one is about better society and the fourth one is about a sustainable planet and um, for people for people to start caring about other people for people to start caring about the planet and everything else that lives on the planet we believe that it's really important that they first connected their hearts with their minds. Um, so that's why we also pay a lot of, lot of attention to personal growth and um, feature inspiring people in order to make people more receptive to stories about what they can do in order to help other people or to help our uh, our planet. Um, I think that's one of the main things actually I think with Brightvibes that we're trying to do is we, we're trying to, you know, make people more conscious that, and that's something which I deeply believe in, and I sometimes find it hard to grasp, but I I do believe, really, that we're all one. I think it's really important that we as humanity realize that we form a part of the ecosystem on this planet and we are not here to dominate it. We've tried to dominate it, and to be honest, you know, I'm I'm Mr. Breitvater, we fucked it up. Um, I'm really worried about the state of the planet, And I'm very hopeful that we can fix it. And I know that we can, but we need to hurry up. And this is maybe one of the, yeah, I don't know, I know that we're running short on time. Um, But you asked me questions about the business model and um, uh, what we wanna do in the next three years, we wanna increase our positive impact on society by factor 10. Wow. And I know how to do it. We need to do three things. We need to create more and better videos. Currently, we produce about two videos a week. We can easily make six to eight stories a week. It's no problem to find these great stories that meet our criteria, no problem at all. We wanna increase the reach of each video. So we can do that by creating better, better content, adopting our content better for different platforms, by going into different languages, um, by expanding our distribution network, which already is really big, but we can make that much bigger. And the third thing that we wanna do is that those people that we reach through more videos is that we wanna become a stronger connector. So through a new BrightVibes.com platform, we connect people and initiatives to collaborate more. So those are the three things that we need to do. And I think we need to do this because as Jan Ropman said very wisely, we do not live in a era of change, we live in a change of era. And we wanna make sure that we help push that change and make that a positive change. And we cannot just do that over the excess of business. So with branded content and advertising and you know charging some other distributors for, for distributing some of their our content, their content on, our, on our social channels, um, it doesn't make enough money to tell all those stories that need to be told. So that's why we also founded the Bright Vibes Foundation through which we will do only non-profit projects that are uh, clearly defined and funded through philanthropy, through donations and the likes. So we will continue to do commercial work because we believe that working with brands is extremely important. If you look at the big big powers in our world, who can change the world? It's us. us people, consumers, it is governments, we need NGOs, and non-governmental organizations, and we need companies. So we don't want to exclude anybody. Some say that companies are the big evil, I really do not believe that, and I think that they can have a huge positive impact, and that's why we want to continue to work with them, but not only, and we don't want to be dependent on them. So there are different revenue streams, so there will also be the the, the, the donation part, in the foundation. And then we have helping those big brands to also turn the tide for the good through our company.
0: Fantastic, and I love your statement that that reminds me of of, uh, an advertising slogan we heard in our youth, a better world starts with yourself, which is really valid, I think, for the personal growth uh, pillar that you also have in your mission.
1: It's so true, it is so true. If you look at any, it goes like, uh, if you want to if you want to have a huge impact you need to do something you need to tell a small story so people come to us and go like okay we did these 10 things and we had impact on 100 100 you know on, in a 100 ways like okay that's a story nobody's going to understand so you need to make it small you need to make it emotional you need to make it tangible you
0: need to find your black swan <laughs> exactly
1: no but that that's what what we do we have huge success by telling tiny little intimate positive, inspiring stories. It's not by telling huge stories, but making small stories. And you're so right, I mean, it's Mahatma Gandhi, I think, who said, be the change you wanna see. And I've had the incredible pleasure of talking to people who completely live that way. Uh, Afro Shah, the guy who, in the end, got 100,000 people involved in his beach cleanup. He's got the support from the the Indian Prime Minister. he told, he, and he does it as a volunteer. He's a lawyer by, uh, um, during the week. And uh, he said, you know, you can complain about the government not cleaning it up, but that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. So I just started cleaning things up. And then I asked people that, ca- or people came to me, or I asked some people, I said, hey, I'm cleaning this up. Do you feel like joining me? And then people sign up instead of pointing Fantastic. to people like, hey, you should clean this up, no, he does it. He is the change you wanna see. And that's uh, that's so incredibly powerful. Fantastic, I think
0: this is ending with a Mahatma Gandhi quote is always <laughs> incredible. So uh, thank you so much for being in the show, Michiel, and uh, telling us this very inspiring story. I think we'll all we'll rush to Bright Vibes now to check out the latest videos and subscribe to your newsletter. Thank you to- so much,
1: it was a pleasure.
0: And let's continue to fight the good fight. Thank you so much. Let's amplify
1: the good together. Thank you so much. Thanks.